Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio. Every week, Federal News Radio Executive Editor Jason Miller interviews CIOs of federal agencies about the latest directives, IT challenges, and successes. Now, your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Jeff Mayo, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Force Management Integration, and Bill Marion, the Air Force's Deputy Chief Information Officer. Jeff, Bill, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let me just start at the beginning. I think the the reason you know we reached out to you guys for this conversation is the, the work you guys are doing around cybersecurity, cyber workforce hiring. Really, let me open it up to both of you. This has been a major priority for the Air Force Secretary, for the Air Force at, at large. Talk a little bit about that effort around cyber workforce, and, and uh, just let me know if Bill or Jeff, which one of you wants to jump in first. Hi, this is Jeff Mayo. I think I'd start by saying we're we're certainly interested in the the, the cyber. Uh, community within the Air Force, certainly in terms of civilians. We have around 9,000 uh, billets for, for cyber civilians, and it's certainly a competitive endeavor for us to get out and reach that talent. We're looking at a number of different ways to attract those individuals to the Air Force. We've had a, an ongoing effort in our acquisition hiring that's been very successful for us, and we're building a similar program for the, for the cyber workforce. Overall, we expect uh, over the next year to hire about 1,400 cyber civilians, uh, roughly 2,000 acquisition folks, engineers and program managers and and contracting folks. So these are high priorities for us, and we're working very hard to, uh, to come up with ways to bring them on board. And let me back up because one of the things you said, you have about 9,000 billets for civilians who work in the cyber world, and you plan to hire about 2,000 of those this year. And then how many do you already have those billets filled, or were those open billets you're talking about? The, the 9,000 billets, 1,400 of them are open, and the remainder of those are filled. And those billets are mostly in the continental United States. Okay, interesting. And then the other 2,000 you mentioned were for the acquisition side of the house, right? Right. Engineers, program managers, contracting, and those type positions. Let me turn to Bill here. As the CIO, as deputy CIO of the Air Force, who's who will work closely with these uh, cyber uh, workers. Uh, this must uh, be exciting that you're going to get this influx of, of new talent. Yes, absolutely. The, the cybersecurity business is, is growing, as you well know. Um, on the mission system side, we're trying to, to build deeper uh, and stronger knowledge bases across the board, getting more engineers, computer science, and cybersecurity expertise into our weapon systems, along with our traditional infrastructure capabilities. So it really required us to look differently about how we recruited. So where we went, we'll talk about some of the competitions such as National Cyber Collegiate Defense, and then also how do we incentivize uh, to be competitive with the outside marketplace. So we really had to take a couple uh, new looks at how we go after recruiting so we could make sure we could brought those skill set, bring those skill sets into our mission areas as we need them. And, and one of the things that, Jeff, you said was you had a – almost a approach that worked in the acquisition world that you're moving over to, or, you, or at least you're going to try out in the cyber world. Talk about the, that approach. We work to, to reach out to where the talent is. We've got a cell down at our uh, personnel center in San Antonio that reaches out to engineers, program managers, contractors. Our primary mechanism for reaching civilians is, is USA Jobs, but what we try to do is is reach out to them and help make those connections with that. Some of that on the acquisition side is through, through job fairs, other hiring events where we will send our recruiters out to meet with uh, individuals. We've had good success with that across the country in, in hiring in those areas. So we're working to pattern 
our cyber hiring effort uh, along those lines. We're able to use certain expedited hiring authorities and direct hire authorities in the, in the acquisition business, and a smaller set of those are eligible in the cyber workforce as well. So that helps us work through that process to, to get that talent on board more quickly. But I think the key is we're, we're sending people out to where the talent uh, resides, whether it's colleges, universities, other communities where there's a technical base that they can reach out to, to be able to help connect those individuals with the opportunities that we have in the Air Force. Now, Bill, from your perspective, uh, you hear what Jeff's saying. It it's, must make you, again, go back to uh, the feel-good side, that, that this influx of talent. How are you working with the, the, the manpower side of the house to ensure they're going to the right place? What kind of advice do you give them in terms of, hey, it's not just Silicon Valley, but there's these tech hubs, as you mentioned, in, in Austin or San Antonio or Boston or Denver or wherever? Yes, absolutely. So there's a couple centers of gravity, the Air Force Digital Services effort, DIUX effort that's going on with respect to larger DOD and the DOD digital services, as well as a lot of our, our ROTC detachments and other locations that have centers of gravity at Scott Air Force Base, Wright Air Force Base, and the like. So we're definitely merging those two angles together, which is efforts like DIUX and Air Force Digital Services, along with uh, our ROTC pieces to, to really you know, hone in and use also some of the big data tools to, to look at where the talent really lies. So part of this isn't just using the traditional as, as Jeff had mentioned, USA Jobs, but actually use tools to go out and find where these centers of gravity are. The National Cyber Collegiate Defense has some very strong college and universities that are competing well in those spaces, so that also is another indicator of where that talent ought to, ought to come from. So it's really using a couple of the different dimensions, going to where the talent is, honing in using big data tools, and also some of our experiences with what we've seen on the military recruiting all combined that they really bring that together. Bill, let me go a little step further with those big data tools. Talk a little bit about what maybe what those are, how they work. Uh, imagine, you know, what, what's the tech behind that a little bit? Jason, this is Jeff. I can uh, talk a little bit about that in terms of recruiting. We've got several areas where we're, where we're working to take advantage of some big data techniques. We're, we're somewhat in our infancy, but, for example, we have a, a, a test going on in, in the New England region where we're bringing together civilian recruiters, military recruiters, both active and reserve, those looking for officers and enlisted, on a common contact management system. And we're trying to reach out into areas that we don't normally recruit in. And we're using some big data techniques for that. So I think there's a lot of uh, untapped uh, capability that we're trying to break into there. And I think a lot of the uh, collaboration amongst all the recruiting sources we have, whether it's civilian or military, active guard reserve in the Air Force, will benefit from some of that. So we are trying to leverage that to reach out there and, and make sure that we're not missing a segment of talent just because we don't happen to be located there or we have always gone to another place and had success. So we're really trying to expand our, our view our ability to reach into the talent pool across the entire United States. And I think big data is one of the things that will help us do that. The, the analytics, the, the niche targeting that, that goes along with those are, are tools that we're trying to uh, add into our toolbox on how we can reach this uh, very specialized talent. And that uh, it's a challenge uh, to, uh, to bring in sometimes. Bill, take me down one step further because I'm interested also in the tech side because one of the things that this shows 
is this idea that the, the CIO's office is working with the manpower office, with the HR office, and this partnership of how important this partnership is. Actually, in former life as the A1 CIO, worked with, with Jeff on this, really partnering industry and industry tools with really the HR leadership that was out there between Jeff and, and AFPC. So certainly the, the marriage of the tools, capability, the infrastructure piece, some of these are available kind of as a service model uh, with industry. You have, you have various players out there that do very strong data analytics and capabilities that we can either buy or integrate it in with our existing platform. So those teams have been ongoing for the last couple of months working through efforts with industry and bringing those in and seeing what you know, price points and value propositions for each one of them. But in many cases, especially in the cybersecurity business, there, there's a lot of tool sets out there that we can leverage to provide very distinct insight into where the talent is. It, it, at the bottom line to all this is in the old world order, it was USA Jobs come to us and, and, and look for where you might be interested. We're actually trying to say, here's where our cyber forces are. Here's where our cyber capabilities and infrastructure providers and weapon system programs are, and how do we best align that? In using the big data tools, we can tie what we need with what we're seeing on the outside. So I, I think that's the marriage that, that really comes uh, comes to light with this kind of effort. Jason, if I could add to that too, the, the partnership that we have between those that are doing the HR work of trying to hire with those in the functional areas like, like Bill Marion, and then those that are out there at the installation level, that all needs to connect together. And we've, we've had some success with that, I think. And I'll give an example here in a, in a couple of minutes in two areas. But the, the functional community helps us by identifying the particular skill sets they're looking for. And they have knowledge of things like Bill's already mentioned, the collegiate cyber defense competitions. That gives us a target to send our HR workforce to, our recruiters, who will go to those events, and we've recently been to seven of those, and they made contact with over 500 students in these competitions, and we got five or 250 of that 500 registered uh, in our system. When we meet with them, we're not only able to, to tell them what the Air Force opportunities are, we're able to point them to the, the website that we have for the Air Force Civilian Service. We're able to to walk them through some USA Jobs uh, understanding, help them get through that. But we're also at those type of events, and they're not all these collegiate cyber defense competitions, there are others that Bill may be able to mention, but we're able to talk to the professors and coaches and, and provide that same information to them. And they're, they're like the influencers that we talk about on the military recruiting side. So those are, those are great opportunities for us. And if we can build off of those, to know where we have vacancies that are coming up in the field. So the, the units in the field have their civilian hiring plans and they know what their mission needs are changing. So if we can able to link all of those, it helps us make faster decisions when we go to these events so that we can meet the, the needs of the Air Force to get people on quicker. And, and most of these folks are, are looking for jobs sooner rather than later. So it helps bringing all those uh, pieces of information together from the base level who has the vacancy, the functional community that knows the skills that they need, and our recruiters. We've had, had good success at both the acquisition events as well as the cyber events that we've just started to have. And that's a great point. I, I would say the, the really compelling thing in this market is, you know, the government's always challenged with being able to pay and incentivize at the pure paycheck level with industry. But there's a lot of benefits 
for Air Force civilians on the non-tangible, right? So whether it's the health, vacation, whatever the case. But what I would really say sells it is when we have the mission flavor and the, the mission focus that we can deliver. So how do they support, you know, flying operations? How do you support cyber operations and defeat of ISIS? I mean, those, those direct being able to tie cyber and cybersecurity in those general terms into the intelligence world, into the cyber world, is very critical when you go out in recruiting because that is ultimately, and honestly, how I came to the Air Force was, was that, an IT professional in the intelligence and surveillance and reconnaissance world. So it's the mission that's ultimately going to get them recruited. And so tying that mission focus with the HR community, tightening up the, the hiring process along with providing the mission kind of inject of what are some of the key opportunities I think is a real selling point because that's really what's going to bring them in typically into the Air Force. It's not necessarily going to be the, the paycheck per se in, in a dollars and cents. It's all the other value and service that they can provide to their, their United States. And I can only imagine that many times, as, as Jeff, your folks are going out there to talk to these potential recruits, they don't really understand what the Air Force does. They think Air Force flying, right? They think Air Force, well, I can't be a pilot or I don't want to be a pilot or whatever it is, or I don't want to join you know, and, and serve that way. Maybe there's another way they can serve. So I think a lot of this is all about education. Yes, it is. It's, there's education that goes on. They're able to describe the Air Force story. And in some cases, as Bill mentioned, we have people from the installations there that can kind of talk the types of projects that they would be involved with. The, the ability to make a difference, the ability to learn and be trained, I think, is significant for what the Air Force has to offer. And being able to meet with these folks and explain it as opposed to have them read something on a web page or whatever, there's great information out there. But the face-to-face -face interaction, I think, is what we're seeing that, that tends to help things out, that connection across the, the various entities of the base level and the functional community, as well as the hiring officials, we're able to speed up that process and provide a, a, a fairly compelling argument to, to becoming an Air Force civilian. We have to take a break. My guests today are Bill Marion, the Deputy CIO of the Air Force, and Jeff Mayo, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Force Management Integration. I'm Jason Miller. You are listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Bill Marion, the Deputy CIO of the Air Force, and Jeff Mayo, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Force Management Integration. I'm your host, Jason Miller. We've been talking a lot about this idea of, of cyber workforce, but there's other pieces and parts to the, the story, too, if you will. Maybe start with, with Jeff, other priorities on your list that maybe the CIO's office you guys are working together on outside of, I know this is a big one, cyber workforce, every agency has it, but are there other systems or other capabilities you're looking at that you're working closely with the CIO's office on? I think the biggest one right now, we, we talked a little bit about big data, but the uh... The acting secretary is really pushing out with the big data. You know, how do we look at data as a strategic asset? That has a huge impact in the readiness world of how do we take logistics data and personnel data and operations data and merge that into a consistent picture, which gives us a much deeper, richer understanding of our readiness posture. So the, the biggest strategic effort that we have going on right now that's not even just the MR and the A1 community, it's also, the, like I said, the operations and logistics side is, is how do we get it readiness in general? So not just your flight line uh, weapon system piece, but actually the personnel side of that. That bridges a lot of things for us from the technical perspective, cloud and cloud infrastructure, mobile front ends, big data analytics, uh, large-scale 
resource planning systems, those kind of things together into one ecosystem. But uh, I, I would say that's the largest uh, strategic initiative that we have right now, bridging uh, those areas together. And, that, and was, this is, that was Jeff or that was Bill? That was Bill. Bill, thanks. Uh, Jeff, talk a little bit about what you just heard from Bill. I, I think the challenge that, that we hope will be solved out of that is there is a huge amount of data out there, and some of it can help us make the connections that, that we need to to reach the, the talent in various places. Now we, we use some services such as LinkedIn Recruiter to help us find uh, individuals. There's probably lots of different ways that we could do that as well. But when we use those services, we're, we're able to hone in our search. The number of recruiters we have is fairly limited. So we need to use some analytical tools, uh, take advantage of much of the data that we have to minimize that search effort to hone us in on the, on the specific individuals that we're looking for. As an example, we, we recently had an event and used some of those sources to uh, fill about a dozen positions at Scott Air Force Base in the cyber infotech uh, community that we probably would have taken a lot longer to, to find. It's matching up the, the talent that's out there with the opportunities and making sure they both know them. So I think these data tools and some of the initiatives that Bill just mentioned will help us do that uh, more efficiently uh, for our recruiters to be able to, whether it's military or civilian recruiters, is what we've talked about here, certainly in the, in the STEM career fields that we're looking for and some of the other communities out there. But certainly the acquisition community and the cyber community are some of our mission-critical vacancies that we, we set up our programs, like we've described already, to, to help us find uh, individuals to fill those positions. So th those are some of our most important positions. Bill, let me go back to something you, you also talked about, which was this idea of cloud, mobile, large-scale resource planning systems, bringing them all together. How's that working, and, and where are you with maybe some of those efforts? Uh, I know it's a, it's a big a big jar I just opened up, so maybe pick one or two of those that you maybe you think there's a lot of progress being made around. I think our biggest progress is in an application called MyPurse, uh, which is our front-end portal, if you will, to all active duty, guard, reserve, and, and civilians. That application was moved to the cloud, commercial cloud, about a year ago uh, with great success in very short time frame. It provides with it new capabilities to orchestrate policy into the tool, into the system, to provide capability faster to our airmen. It provides a mobile front-end. We can start seeing a, a cleaner, richer uh, mobile experience to when an individual goes in through the portal to look at their retiree records or they, they look for a civilian frequently asked questions statement or their, their uh, civilian career brief types of things. So that my first application, a little over 1.7 million users, pretty big movement. I think uh, one of the first, if not the first DOD software as a service uh, moved to the cloud, but it, it brought a huge downplay or, or decrease in the number of cyber vulnerabilities. It provided a mobile front end. Coop and resiliency came with it. So from a technical layer, it, it really shored up the foundation of that big application, but then it also allowed the scale of new capability uh, for new features, functions, and, and the like in mobile front ends for our, our airmen. And Jeff, when you hear about my purse and how people are using that on the you know the user side versus the technology side, what do you hear about the, the impact that that initiative is having? I think it's a very significant impact. It provides not only better access for the, the workforce to, to reach some of that data, but it also takes some other workload off of the HR community that would have had to answer that call or provide that data to them. 
one of the things that, that Bill mentioned, in addition to my person, and I think you've asked about it too, is, is the cloud-based opportunities. The, the potential for that to really help on the recruiting side is significant. The challenge to reaching that significant help is in recruiting, you're dealing with a significant amount of personally identifiable information. And so the security aspect of that is something that I think we still grapple with somewhat. Uh, but uh, it is an area that's, that's really ripe to take advantage of if we can get over some of those security and, and privacy concerns. And, and that is a paramount issue. I don't mean to minimize it, but that's something that we have to figure out in order to, uh, to actually realize some of the helpful aspects of having a cloud that our recruiters could be on and share their leads and the contact information and, and some of the other data uh, as they're out across the country uh, trying to recruit the right people that we need for the Air Force. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's interesting because people look at the cloud and, and say, oh, it can save us so much money, but it's these capabilities, as you guys have both pointed out, that's really the difference maker. And, and I just had a, a very interesting conversation with John Hill, who works at the Defense Information Systems Agency, and he was saying, hey, this cost thing, let's get, pa let's get past it and really look at how much better we are. When we look at the future of, of you guys, you know, the A1 office for, you know, force management and the CIO's office where Bill works working together, uh, obviously the cloud's a big role, but what other are some other priorities? What, are, what else, what should we look at from you guys as you guys work together over the next, you know, six, nine months? What else should we look out for? I would say it's not just even cloud, it's the software as a service. So as, as Jeff mentioned, there's a lot of capability out there that we can procure and secure and make sure we can deliver uh, that to the best of our ability. So there's a, a lot of effort, whether that's the, the analytics side of it, some of those cases we can provide that, that cloud analytic piece as a service. The big thing, kind of extending my purse out, is all the additional functionality. We are trying to rationalize our applications down, in other words, really consolidate them down into some, some core centers of gravity. So a lot of our efforts revolve around the MyPurse application, really building out and using all the services that are provided in that hosted environment. But we run the entire spectrum, right, from recruiting to, to retirement. So in many cases, those HR systems are out there. Our big pay and personnel modernization is another effort that is leveraging cloud services, leveraging best industry practices to bring some agility to that program. So uh, that's the other big one is our, our HR uh, enterprise resource planning system and how we're modernizing that using uh, commercial technology. And from Jeff, your perspective, you know, as you guys are working together on that pay and personnel system, the HR ERP, what are you asking for? What, what are some of the capabilities that are most important to you? Well, I think one of the key areas that we look to benefit out of that is, is related to our usage of our total force. And by total force, I'm talking about our regular Air Force active duty component, our guard component, the Air National Guard, and the Air Force Reserve, if we can all be together on that system, that really provides a benefit to the way we use our total force. The Air Force is very reliant on the Guard and Reserve, and the ability that we have to have them all in the same system helps us with the bringing them on, taking them off, those types of things will be much simpler if we all have one system as opposed to multiple systems. I, I think really that will that's one of the cornerstone pieces that we, we hope to get out of the, the AFTIP. So there'll be plenty of other efficiencies and, and improvements in the way we're able to manage our force in, individually. But I think that's one that I'm very interested in. We provided a lot of uh, requests, I guess, along those lines to, to make sure that we're able to see the improvements in the way we use our, 
our operational reserve forces, if you will, in these days uh, when we rely on the reserve and guard so frequently. Another piece of all of this is the idea of procurement of finance, the the CXO area. Bill or Jeff, I'll throw it to both of you guys. Are you guys, how are you bringing in those kind of other CXO communities to to work on on a lot of these goals? Uh, Well, in in some cases, those those elements are in the CIO's office. So the the chief information security officer uh, from a cybersecurity piece is within our shop. There is effort to stand up a chief data officer to work big data analytics. That's yet to be determined where that will sit, but that's certainly a key player and will come into this mix. Financial, the chief financial officer, certainly is a big piece behind this because ultimately everything we do uh, goes through the programmatics and and, uh, and budgetary type things. So the FM has been a key partner um, in resourcing uh, a lot of the initiative, especially in the cyber hiring and the acquisition hiring, is making sure we have the underpinning from a financial side of it. So it is absolutely across the board. Uh, I guess the last C-suite entity would be the COO, which is typically our director of operations. He is definitely driving you know, readiness questions, definitely driving recruiting and making sure we have the right airmen, both civilian and military, that come in our force. So everything we do, uh, I think, in this building is, is very corporate in nature and uh, we have our own C-suite meetings where we work through strategies, and uh, this is one, again, uh, vetted all the way up through the secretary that is really supported from a cyber hiring recruiting of how all those entities can work well together in, in delivering a capability. Jeff, also, from your perspective, we talked about cybersecurity. We talked about the acquisition side in terms of skill sets. Are there other skill sets that you guys are actively recruiting for? I know there's probably thousands, but what are what are uh, other top priorities that maybe fit in where with in terms of how Bill's office can help you guys? We tend to define things as mission critical, hard to fill, and those could run the gamut across a number of job series. Certainly in the medical community, some of those job series, doctors, nurses, sometimes those are challenging positions to fill. The civilian positions that we deal with, we classify as, as mission critical, hard to fill. We're, we're glad we have some of the hiring authorities that are out there. And I think one of the things that we'll learn is uh, as we go through, just as we're building on the cyber effort, we're building off of some of the things we've learned with the acquisition. We're building our toolbox as we go along of how some of these different career fields in the in the Air Force, and we have, like you said, there's probably literally thousands of different career areas out there that the, someone can apply to. And we have 180,000 or so civilian positions in the Air Force. We rely on them more and more day in and day out. So more and more of those positions are mission critical, hard to fill, and we just need to find a way to, to reach that talent out there. And it's a, it's a challenging labor market, but we feel like we have a great uh, Air Force civilian service type of product to offer, the benefits uh, that are there, and the opportunities, really, for training, development, and to work on some uh, very fascinating types of projects that they may not get to if they weren't in the Air Force. So. Again, I won't highlight too many specific ones, but there's just an awful lot of very mission-critical focused positions that we're trying to fill, and we'll we'll continue to use programs like we're talking about for the cyber hiring as well as acquisition to reach into those areas. Jeff and Bill, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're just about out of time. Before I let you go, I I did want to ask uh, one other thing about working together, borrowing, begging, stealing from other parts of government, other parts of DOD. The, The efforts that you guys are doing how are you working together with maybe the other services or, or DOD agencies or even other civilian agencies? Sure, this is Jeff. There's great competition for the kind of talent that we're all looking for. 
On the civilian side, I think we're, we're more than happy to, to hear success stories that the other services or maybe some other agencies in federal government are, are following, and, and we ask questions, and when it makes sense for us, we'll, we'll pattern after that. On the military recruiting side, I think uh, all the services face some of the similar uh, challenges there, and I think the to, to some extent they're all working towards data solutions, and I think we rely on the DOD to help centralize some of that, and they are. They, they do that through the Joint Advertising, Marketing, Research, and Studies Office that uh, works for uh, DOD. So I think there's some centralized efforts ongoing. Uh, we do tend to share in conferences and meetings, just like Mr. Marion and I partner up in an awful lot of meetings to to achieve the results that we need to bring the right people into the into the Air Force and into the Department of Defense. And, and Jason, I'd, I would add to Jeff's comments that the key is bringing this talent into the DOD as well, right? I mean, that's the first and foremost imperative because we are competing with industry. And so I think the main thing to add there is um, how do we work across the services, especially on the civilian front, to provide more opportunities? And we talk about permeability, but on the military side, but there's also permeability on the civilian side of with the stand-up of Cyber Command and Defense Information Systems Agency and all the Air Force capabilities and the Cyber Mission Forces, the real beauty in this mission is, and the difficulty is, it's cross-dimensional. Cyber is everywhere. And so getting airmen that are both civilian and military that are coming from with some Army and Navy background um, into the Air Force and vice versa, uh, we are trying to create more permeability and more movement to allow people to come in that may have more expertise in one cyber field than another. So I, I think as long as we're bringing that into the DOD space, we're doing great service to our, our nation, and then it's really upon us, uh, Jeff and I and many others in the building, to make sure that we're arming all those civilians to move and, and to increase from a larger DOD perspective. A lot of this culminates with Cyber Command. So ultimately, how are we growing airmen, not just in the services, but in our, in our joint side, our unified command side, to, to deliver capabilities? So it's, it's both on the recruiting and also what do we do once, once they come in to, to fully maximize their, their use. All right, gentlemen, this has been a fascinating conversation. We could continue to talk, but unfortunately, we are out of time. So let me thank my guests. Bill Marion is the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the U.S. Air Force, and Jeff Mayo is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Force Management and Integration. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. You're very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Jason. We have to take a break. You are listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest for this part of the show is Butch Lucky, the Air Force's chief of IT business analytics. Butch, this is a different type of Ask the CIO. You're not really a chief information officer, but you do, if you will, play in the IT world. So we're going to talk a little about IT buying, IT acquisition. So uh, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. You and I, uh, I guess, met a, a few months back at a category management conference, and I thought what the Air Force was doing in many ways was really leading a lot of other agencies in terms of how you're looking at buying IT. So let me start at the very beginning of the conversation, and, and you guys had were working on what you called a tasker, or maybe a memo or some sort of guidance about changing the way or unifying the way the Air Force buys IT and those management authorities that, the, around it. So talk a little bit about what you guys are doing as it relates to IT and category management. About almost two years ago, we got an initiative from the Secretary of the Air Force to bend the IT cost curve. So one of the ways that we set out to do that was through using IT category management. We've been doing that for a bit, but even larger than that, 
is this effort that the Air Force is currently working to unify the IT buying authorities or management of IT under one organization. So what's going on at the moment is Air Force senior leadership has recognized that for IT category management to be effective, you got to have some very strong governance uh, structure at the enterprise level so that you can monitor the spend and spend that money wiser, prioritize your IT requirements, and eliminate leakage from these enterprise vehicles. So that is currently ongoing. So once we get the Air Force strategy and governance uh, in a place where we're going to look to build out an organization structure to support a full IT category management, and we're already doing bits and pieces of that today in, in several different organizations, but this upcoming effort to unify our IT authority under a single organization will look to consolidate and grow uh, that capability where applicable. Now, one of the benefits I, I think we're going to get from this effort is that it's going to improve the efficiency in which we procure IT products and services by allowing us to consolidate requirements where warranted at the Air Force level and then find the best possible solution uh, to acquire those products and services. For example, just recently, the Air Force implemented a, a joint enterprise license agreement for Cisco maintenance. Now, prior to that JLA, we were using over 2,200 contract actions to acquire that service. Now we have just one. But we also were able to increase our maintenance coverage to 100%, and we're going to save about $109 million over three years. So I think we'll, we'll see more efforts like this once we unify those IT um, buying and management authorities under one organization. Now, l let me go back to one thing. Bending the IT cost curve, uh, the Air Force, like most people in the military, spend tens of billions of dollars, if not more, each year on IT. And we're talking about products mainly or products and services? Let me start there. We're talking uh, products and services. In FY16, the Air Force spent, based upon the way we define in, uh, IT for the Air Force, right about $3.9 billion in FY16, and that's products and services combined. Now, services is a preponderance of the spend. For hardware last year in FY16, uh, the Air Force spent about $1 billion. So you guys are looking to bend the cost curve. So what are your goals to save money? The Air Force leadership set a goal for the IT bail to bend the cost curve by 20%. And since we've been working on that initiative, uh, we have actually found cost savings or avoidance at right about 17% of that curve. So somewhere in the neighborhood of about $565 million in potential savings if we can implement some of these initiatives that are we found through category management. And some of those initiatives are like this Cisco example, which is a great one. In fact, you moved from 2,200 different contracting actions to, to one major one. That's such a, a major change. Was that just like an oh-duh moment? Like, did it present to you and you go, that was that was an easy one, that was a low-hanging fruit? Well, I think it was somewhat of, of low-hanging fruit when you start to, to peel the data back a bit and you're looking at how the Air Force is spending their money. A couple of other things that we found through looking at the data was just the, the volume or the amount of assets that were sitting in our warehouse that could be put into service instead of buying new. So in 2015, in September of 15, there was trike signature uh, memo put out by SAF A6, SAF AQ, and SAF FM that said, hold on a minute, don't purchase any more computers 
until you've made sure you've used those available assets in your inventory. Now, in a short period of time when that memo went out and we were able to track that in the business analytics office, we found that spending went down like $133 million on those particular assets. Just because people in the Air Force bases and such said, oh, well, we are now going to look to see what we have in storage. And by using those first and realizing, oh, look, we want to do a refresh of 30 computers. Here's 20 of them or here's 40 of them. We don't need to buy new ones. I mean, that that simple as that. It was as simple as that, yes. Is that amazing in some ways that just a little bit of a push, a little bit of a reminder is, is can save, as you said, $133 million just on computers? Right, yeah, I, I think it is. I think when you start exposing the data like, like we have been able to do that has never been seen before, because there isn't really one place out there in today's environment or a source where you can go and, and find out exactly how much you're spending on IT. So we've been able to do that, and uh, category management has, has helped tremendously zero in on what we're buying, when we're buying it, how we're buying it, and who's buying it. And when you share that information across the enterprise, it starts to bring to light, I don't want to say bad behavior, but perhaps some folks just didn't realize or understand that there is a better way to procure that than the way we're doing it today. We have to take a break. My guest is Butch Lucky, the Air Force's Chief of IT Business Analytics. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Butch Lucky, the Air Force's Chief of IT Business Analytics. So many times category management gets a negative connotation because it's feeling like, it's going to be all about lowest price. It's all going to be about hurting small businesses or going from 10 vendors who are selling computers to one, and, and that's going to hurt the defense industrial base. Are you guys finding, and I know it's still early on, that it's really more about the data than about these other pieces and parts that, that people sometimes get concerned about? This is just really about the data and where the data leads us to find, you know, what, what's the best way to procure IT for the Air Force? In some cases, it's not really about procuring, like I mentioned with the uh, memorandum or the policy that went out to limit buying new computers until you use what's in inventory. So sometimes it's a, it's a contract vehicle. Sometimes it's just educating people that, hey, here is the proper contract vehicle you should be uh, purchasing from to get a significant amount of savings. For example, in our end-user devices that's managed here in the Enterprise Services Division, their contract vehicle will save you about 17% if you use it to procure those end-user devices. And that's a significant savings. But what we have found through exposing the data and understanding it better is that we still have some folks that are purchasing outside of that contract vehicle. So we just remind them that, hey, here's the preferred vehicle. It's in place. It will save you a tremendous amount of money and allow you to then use those dollars to satisfy other higher unfunded requirements. In the beginning of the conversation, you said about two years ago you want to bend the cost curve. You've been putting some of these pieces and parts in place, but you're not quite there yet. What still needs to get done until you are... You know, we'll use the the, uh, the the DOD term IOC versus FOC or right. however you're describing it. We are somewhat uh, still going down the journey of IOC in that in terms of category management, we have been able to fully categorize our hardware spend 
Um, but the Air Force is a fortunate in, in that respect, and, and that was a little bit easier because we have a, a data source, uh, Air Force Equipment Management System Asset Inventory Management, or AFM's AIM, that is the repository for sensitive IT assets. So that has allowed us to get an extract from the Program Management Office on a monthly basis, categorize that information, and then share that information across the Air Force to drive, you know, different behavior or better recording of assets in the database so that then we can find better, more efficient ways to procure that hardware. Now, we have done that for software, but to categorize software, because the Air Force doesn't currently have a software asset management solution, we have to look at the Federal Procurement Data System next generation as a data source. And that is much more difficult because the only way we can determine what software is being purchased other than through a couple or a few contract vehicle ID numbers, we have to look at the description field inside of uh, the FPDS-NG file. And that's only a 20-character field. Now, we have done that and we have categorized that. And we've had some success here. In fact, the Air Force just recently implemented an Oracle Unlimited License Agreement which was a five-year contract for, we, we previously had three products on that contract vehicle before. I believe that's increased to somewhere around 10 to 13, and should save the Air Force uh, almost $160 million over five years through that effort. But we have a ways to go. I mean, we've done the, the hardware, we've done the software, but we're completely in line with OMB and their IT uh, category management effort. So we have four more subcategories of IT to go. We just started looking into the services spend, which is by far the largest spend uh, for the Air Force. It was $2 billion in FY16, uh, again, based on how we track uh, IT spend. So in order to get to FOC, we need to fully define all six subcategories of uh, IT through category management and put the spend in each one of those buckets, if you will and then see how are, how are we, who's buying it, how they're buying it, when they're buying it, and are we buying it, you know, at the best value possible. So we have a ways to go to get the ILC. And then as quickly as technology changes, you know, I think it's just a never-ending process to continuously evaluate, see where the trend is going, and then make sure that we're plugged in with the governance structure out of Staff A6 so that we can help procure those needed items at the best possible price. Very good. I know uh, something to catch up with you in the future as you guys continue to make progress. But for now, Butch Lucky is the Air Force's Chief of IT Business Analytics. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Appreciate the invitation. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show on our website, Ask the CIO, Thursday mornings at 1030, only on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m.